In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Years ago, maybe this still happens, but years ago when people were still getting used to using email, you'll remember that there were all kinds of unique email scams. Right? You might remember that emails would show up in your inbox informing you that a Nigerian prince needed your help. If only you could send this prince some money back to his home country of Nigeria to help him with some banking fees, he would immediately reward you with millions of dollars in return. This Nigerian prince was so very generous, and it was just so lucky that he happened to find your email address. We know, of course, that these kinds of things were scams, and we know that there is probably one rule of thumb to avoid all scams. If it's too good to be true, then it probably is. We know that in order to get along in this world as adults, we have to test out claims in order to avoid such scams. We want to avoid getting our hopes up, getting disappointed, and worse of all, getting taken advantage of. And so we have learned to question that which seems too good to be true. Well, this is the objection that St. Paul has to deal with in Romans chapter 6. Paul has just laid out the gospel for the Romans in the previous five chapters. And the gospel, it seems, is too good to be true. Paul has written that you don't have to do anything to earn your salvation, that Christ has entirely accomplished it for you. All that Christ has accomplished is given to you freely at your baptism, where you receive the word of God that says you are made a new creation. God gives you a promise there, and he keeps his promise. And then God says, we can't even mess it up. It's all a free gift. There's no condition that says you have to follow a set of rules to earn this gift. No condition that says you have to take a special class, that you have to live a moral life from here on out. Nothing. There's no condition at all. Instead, the gospel is an unconditional promise that has nothing to do with your worth or merit. It's a free gift for you. And so this is where Paul, in Romans, anticipates the objection that everyone has. This is too good to be true. That's the objection. Because doesn't this mean that we can just get baptized and then do whatever we want? If God is just going to forgive us without us doing anything, why not just sin all the time so that God can forgive us all the time? Or as Paul puts it in Romans 6.1, should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? The question is about testing the limits of grace. We think surely there's a limit to how gracious God will be. At some point, God is going to say, we think, I've forgiven you enough. Now it's time for you to do something good so that I know you're serious this time. At some point, all of us will come to believe that the gospel is just too good to be true that we have to do something to merit it, that we have to stop sinning, we have to get better. And so when St. Paul answers the question, should we continue to sin in order that grace may abound, he of course answers, no way, by no means. But what he doesn't do is say this. He doesn't say, okay, you got me. The gospel works 99% of the time, but at some point you have to stop being a sinner. Rather, Paul says the whole question is a false premise. He says that when you are baptized, 
you die. You're dead. Not symbolically, but really. But then on the other side of baptism, you are raised, united with Christ. And so when God sees you, he does not see the sinner because the sinner is dead. Rather, he sees the believer who is united with Christ. And God only sees Christ when he sees you. So Paul says, therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And Paul will go on to say, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In fact, the gospel is too good for us, but it is true. Because what Paul is saying here is that your sins are no longer in the calculus. They're not part of the equation. You as a sinner have been buried, dead, and gone. And so because all of your sin is dead, you are free from it. It does not separate you from God. And conversely, you don't have to ask the question, how much sin can I get away with? The whole perspective is wrong. Because Paul says, you are free. You're a new creation. You don't have to spend your life wondering if the gospel is too good to be true. But instead, you get to live your life in the joy knowing that the gospel is true. Christ's death is once and for all for you. And the life that he lives, he lives to God, and this is the life he shares with you. And so the question is not, can I just keep sinning and get away with it? The question is, who do I get to be now that Christ has taken my sin from me? What do I get to be as I walk in newness of life? Every day I wake up, I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. What do I get to do with this, new, with this newness and this freedom. And so do I really want to take my freedom and go sin with it? Do I want to see if I can test the limits of grace? Or do I want to take my freedom and love God and love my neighbor and to trust that God has, best, has the best in store for me? The Holy Spirit teaches our hearts to answer this question in the way that God wants us to. And that is, to trust that God has our best in mind when he saves us. Indeed, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to use our freedom in the gospel for the good of our neighbor. I have freedom in the gospel. And what this means is I don't actually have to be scared in this life. As Christ says in our gospel, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. I have freedom to live confidently and boldly. I have the freedom, by virtue of God's promise to me, to break free of whatever the world wants to pin on me. All the negative labels of consequences that have followed me through my whole life, failure, disappointment, not good enough, sinner, so on, those labels no longer actually define me. I'm free to live without those labels. I'm free not to be stuck in my sins and their consequences. I am free to imagine how I might live my life in such a way that I get to take true joy in this life, that I get to take true joy in loving God and loving my neighbor. And this is what Jesus truly gets at in our gospel reading this morning as well. This passage is usually understood as one of the more difficult sermons that Jesus gives us, where Jesus says he has come to bring a sword. 
Specifically, Jesus says that if we follow him in the proclamation of the gospel, we should expect trouble to follow. We can even expect trouble from those who are closest to us, our families. Without the gospel, the law defines the best we can hope for in this life, and for most of us, without the gospel, this means family life. We all know that there is nothing more important in our day-to-day living than our families. These are the people who are closest to us day-to-day, and we know for those without Christ, the best thing that they can hope for is to have a great family, to take great enjoyment in their family life. And don't get me wrong, family is good, and having a good family is a wonderful thing to hope for, but Christ points us to something even better. He points us to himself. Because the truth is, you will never find the freedom of having your sins forgiven in your family. Your family cannot make you a new creation. Your family cannot heal your soul. But God does that. And for those who have difficult situations in their family, painful ones, the gospel becomes an ultimate source of hope. Because the gospel makes you new. You're not totally defined by your family. You're not totally defined by your circumstances, by your community, by where you grew up, anything like that. As one baptized in the word of Christ, you are defined first and foremost by Christ. God makes you new through the cross of Jesus Christ. The Christian life, then, is not really about trying to test the limits of God's grace. Instead, it's about learning to let go. It is learning to let Christ alone be our hope in this world. We don't have to say, well, I'm going to earn God's grace by cultivating a perfect family. I'm going to do everything right in my family. I'm going to do everything right at my job, in my community. And then I'll know that I'm really saved. I'll know that God has really done something with me. That's not it. Instead, Christ wants you to let go of any hope in this world that's not found in him. Instead, as St. Paul does in Romans 6, he wants you to remember your baptism. Because it was there that God gave you the free gift of Christ's life. He killed the old sinner that defined you and instead has given you Jesus Christ. And it's free. And so now we hold on to that gospel and we let go of the world. We let go of our sins. We let go of trying to be perfect. We let go of playing the religious game altogether. And instead, we walk in the newness of life. In this newness, there's no one to impress. Most certainly, you don't need to impress God because he's just given it to you. And neither are you going to disappoint him because it's always unconditional. It's always a free gift. And so instead, as a Christian walking in faith, You have the opportunity every day to learn to let go of the things that accuse you, the things that judge you, the things that bring you down, the the things that bring you despair. And you have the opportunity now to receive God's gifts. And so should you sin to test God's grace? Well, by no means. Instead, let go of everything that questions that you are a new creation and hold on to God's grace as your source of life. It seems too good to be true, but in Jesus Christ, it is true. And at your baptism, God gives it to you. He gives it to you freely. It is too good to be true, but it's true.
Thanks be to God. Amen.